0: Vacation Bible School I hope that you will be there and if you can volunteer that would help us a lot fecgarland.org slash vbs you can sign up there a couple weeks ago I went to bed one night and and uh, I just a normal day I thought and I lay down I went to sleep and I had a dream and in the dream I dreamt that I, I went to my family reunion the Ammonites were sojourning in the hills of Oklahoma, and, and I was up there with them. And, and so we're, we're having a good time. It's with my family, and all of a sudden, I, I notice that Jim Witt, our minister of missions, and Bob Couch, our family activity minister, show up to my family reunion, and everybody seemed, oh, Jim, Bob, come on in. I, I, and I, nobody said anything, but I'm thinking, I didn't know I was kin to Jim and Bob all these years I didn't know that and so we had a good time everything was normal I woke up from the dream and I thought the next morning what did that mean did it mean that I I secretly want to be related to Jim and Bob or did it mean that I secretly fear that I'm related to Jim and Bob I don't know what that meant Well, as you turn the page from chapter 1 of Daniel to chapter 2 of Daniel, you have a dream. It was a wild one. We're going through a sermon series through Daniel, uh, one chapter per Sunday. We started last Sunday entitled Ancient of Days. And as we read through this, we we see this morning in chapter 2 Nebuchadnezzar the king of Babylon had a vivid dream one night and he woke up disturbed about it. it wasn't just any dream it was a God-given dream read with me verse 17 of chapter 2 and then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah Mishael Nazariah his companions and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. And then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might, He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and he sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise. For you have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we ask of you. For you have made known to us the king's matter. As you turn the page from chapter one to chapter two of Daniel, the tone changes drastically. The mood is different. You remember last Sunday as we closed chapter one. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, the four Hebrew young men ages somewhere between 13 and 17. Most people believe about 17 years old that they would not eat of the king's food and they ate vegetables and water for 10 days but they looked stronger and healthier than anyone else so the king Nebuchadnezzar exalted them above everyone else and that chapter 1 ends with praise and Nebuchadnezzar is so happy about these four young men and everything's wonderful and everybody's praising God and then we turn to chapter two it's been one year and it gets tough Nebuchadnezzar the king went to bed one night and he had a dream he woke up the next morning his heart's pounding he's sweating he's disturbed he's troubled he's He's like going, oh my goodness, whoo, what what was that? You, you've had those dreams. You know those dreams you wake up and it's like you're in a cold sweat and your heart's pounding, you're going, who is is that real? Am I am I still in there? Did did I is that did that really happen or what's going on? It was so vivid and it was so real, the dream troubled Nebuchadnezzar, and he was bothered by it. Now this isn't the first time God's given people insomnia and then put them to sleep and gave them a dream. It happened to Abimelech in Genesis 20 and it happened to Pharaoh in Genesis 41. It happened to Ahasuerus in Esther 6. That was the way God had of getting Nebuchadnezzar's attention. So let me ask you a question. If God wanted to get your attention this morning, how would he do it? for Nebuchadnezzar it was a dream so he awakened the next morning and he was troubled by it so he called for four groups of advisors he he had a lot of advisors around him he called for four groups of them we're told who they are magicians now it's not magicians that we know pull a rabbit out of a hat or something like that magicians in those days were scholars who predicted the future so he called the magicians and And he called, the Bible said, the enchanters. Those are the ones that communicated with the dead, like having seances. They had those in Babylon. called the enchanters. And he called the sorcerers. That's who would cast spells. And then he called the astrologers. They were a little different. They were the most respected of the four groups because they they were learned men. They were educated. They studied the heavens. And they were really the most accurate predicting things. So so he was disturbed by this dream and he called the the magicians and the enchanters and the sorcerers and the astrologers. He called them all in and he said, guys, I had a dream last night and I need you to tell me what it means. They said, what did you dream? He said, I'm not telling you. You tell me what I dreamed and you tell me what it meant. And they're going, how do we know what you dreamed? My brother used to do me that way. Tell me what I'm thinking. I don't know what you're thinking. That's what Nebuchadnezzar said. Tell me what I dreamed. Now, theologians wonder why did he not tell them what he dreamed. The, The authorized version hints at the fact that he had forgotten it. And he couldn't remember it, but it bothered him. So they responded, the astrologer spoke up. They took the lead in the conversation. They said, oh, king, live forever. We would be glad to tell you your dream, but we don't, we'll tell you what it means, but we don't know what you dreamed. He said, I, I, I'm not telling you what I dreamed. You tell me what I dreamed or what it meant. And if you don't, here's what's gonna happen. You are going to be torn from limb to limb if you can tell me what my dream was and interpret it I will give you gifts and a promotion and honor you. But if you can't, I'll tear you from limb to limb. Boy, you talk about high risk, high reward, huh? Now, Gleason Archer was a a theology professor at Fuller Theological Seminary in in California for the longest. He said that in, in the days of Babylon, when they said that they'll tear you from limb to limb, they meant it. Here's how they did it. Right outside the palace in Babylon there were four trees. And the trees, they would take a rope at the very top and they'd bend all four trees inward. And they would take a person, the trees were close enough to take a person, they'd tie a rope to one arm and tie it to a tree, a rope to another arm to the tie to the tree, a leg to a tree, another leg to a tree. And then they would cut the rope at the top and the trees would go back into the regular place and it would just snap your, all of your limbs. so Nebuchadnezzar said if you can't tell me what I dreamed and interpret it you're going to the trees and the astrologer said sir king live forever but this is impossible we can't tell you what you dreamed only the gods could tell you what you dreamed no king has ever made such a demand as this and he got furious with them. Called in his captain, Ariok. Ariok, come here, take the boys to the trees. And they're starting to escort them to, to tear them from limb to limb. When they saw Daniel, God's man. Daniel, folks, is 18 years old. Remember this. He's 18. They saw Daniel. They remember Daniel's courage from chapter 1 of how he said, I'm going to trust my God. And so as the astrologers are on their way out to be executed, they stop and say, Daniel, can you help us? Can you interpret the dream? Maybe your God can, our gods can't. Remember when they took the four Hebrew young men in chapter 1, there was the one true God of heaven, Yahweh, our God, and then the Babylonians had nine false gods. Uh, Daniel our God's can't interpret the dream. Can you can you save our necks by having your God interpret it? And so Daniel went to Arioch, the king's captain. By the way, just as a side note, do you remember last week the king's servant was named Ashpenaz? And you remember I said last Sunday that they would name you something that they either wanted you to become or what you looked like when you were born. And you remember what Ashpenaz's name was? Remember? Horse nose. That's exactly right. Well, Ariok's name meant lion. I'd much rather be uh, Ariok than than Ashpenaz, but but Ariok was lion. And so Daniel said, Ariok, uh, why, why is the king's decree so urgent? Give us some time. We will pray to our God, the only true God of heaven, and he will give us the dream and what it meant. Hold off on the execution for now. Arioch said, it's a deal. So Daniel went home. Gathered his three friends who were also about 17, 18 years old, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he said, Guys, we've got to have a prayer meeting. God needs to reveal to us what that dream was. And so I'm asking you to seek mercy from the God of heaven to tell you what that dream means. By the way, this is the first corporate prayer meeting there is in the Bible. So they begin to pray. Dear God, dear God, would you prove today that you're the only true God and the Babylonian gods are false? Would you? Would you give Daniel the dream and then the interpretation of the dream? Oh God of heaven, would you give it? And that night, the Bible says God gave to Daniel what the dream was and the interpretation of the dream in a vision. It's the difference between a dream and a vision. A vision is something you see while you're awake. The dream is something you see while you're asleep. So Daniel was awake. God gave him a vision. And he knew what it was. Does God speak through dreams and visions today? Well, there there are many... Uh, many stories in the Muslim world of where God appears to Muslims especially during Ramadan and Isa appears to them ISA's is another name, their name for Jesus Arabic name for Jesus Isa appears, tells them he's the way and many, many Muslims are turning to Christ through dreams and visions now God doesn't speak to you and, and me that way because one simple reason, because We have his word. We don't need a dream or a vision. He's already told us in in letters, writing. So every time you read the Bible, it's God's word speaking to you. You don't need a dream. You've already got his word. But those who do not have his word absolutely can speak in dreams and visions. So Daniel received a vision. The very first thing he did was praise God. I just read the prayer a moment ago. He says, oh God, thank you so much. You are such a faithful God and an awesome God. God, you are king of kings and Lord of lords. God, you're the one that raises kings up and you're the one that removes kings. God, you know what's in the darkness. You know what's in the light. You have wisdom. You have knowledge. God, I praise you. And you know what's unique about this prayer? He hadn't gone to Nebuchadnezzar yet to see if it was right he just trusted God that it was right what faith of an 18 year old I mean I mean never before had God given someone another person's dream but Daniel believed it could be done let me ask you a question do you believe God can do anything Amen. even things he's never done before do you believe that pretty good for an 18 year old so he we went back to Ariok the king's captain he said sir don't destroy those four groups don't tear them from limb to limb just yet God gave me the dream and what it means he said you've got it he said I've got it great let's go to the Nebuchadnezzar so Arioch and Daniel walked to the king and Arioch. What a character. He takes credit for it. Oh, king, I have found a man. I have searched and I have found a man who knows the dream. He didn't search and find. Daniel went to him. I have someone here who can interpret your dream. And Nebuchadnezzar looks at Daniel and he says, young man, is that accurate? Do you know my dream? Can you tell what it means? He said, well, king, I I can't. But there's a God in heaven who can. Wow. Folks, some of you today may be in situations in your life or in your family or at your job. You can't do it, but there's a God in heaven who can. He said, Oh, King, what you ask is hard. No human can know what another person dreams and, and interpret it. So so King I I can't, but God gave me the vision. And I know what you dreamed. He said, What did I dream? Daniel said, Well, King, just before you fell asleep the other night, you were thinking about the future. And all of a sudden, you closed your eyes, and you saw, as you're sleeping, you saw a huge statue, it looked like a man. It's massive. It was large. It was awe-inspiring. In fact, kingly appearance was frightening when you looked at it. And his head was made of gold. And his arms and his chest were made of silver. His abs were made of bronze. I've heard of abs of steel before, but not the abs of bronze. The abs were bronze, the thighs were bronze, the lower legs were iron, and the feet were a mixture of iron and clay. And you were looking at it with your mouth open because it was so impressive. couple of notes about this statue did you notice that the head was the only one that had a metal by itself the chest and arms shared a metal abs and thighs shared a metal legs feet they shared a metal but the head's the only one that's gold did you notice another thing did you notice that that the 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 value of the metal decreases as you go down the body the head the gold is is worth the most and then the silver is worth the second most and the bronze is next and then the iron and in the clay it decreases in value and did you notice that the weight of the metals is heaviest the top gold's the heaviest and then silver's next heaviest and then and then bronze and then iron and then clay And and so it's it's top heavy. And, And did you notice that the consistency of the metal is stronger at the top? Gold is the hardest metal and clay is the most brittle. Gold and silver and bronze and iron and clay. And he says, King, you were... You were looking at this awesome statue with your mouth open, you were were in awe, and all of a sudden, out of the corner of your eye, this boulder from the sky, a huge stone uncut by human hands, it was natural, and it came barreling out of the sky, and then you see the boulder, and it comes, and it hits the statue, and it crashes at the feet And breaks up the clay and the statue begins to topple and it falls to the ground. And as it does, it disintegrates and powder goes everywhere and settles to the ground. And then the wind kicks up and blows the powder away. And then this boulder starts getting in your sight bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And and it's coming towards you until the boulder fills up the entire screen and you wake up. And the king said, that's it. That is exactly what I dreamed, Daniel. That is it. What does it mean? And he said, king, here's what it means. You are the statue. And the God of heaven is the boulder. And your kingdom looks so impressive and powerful and majestic, but God's going to come and knock the feet up from underneath it and it's going to crash. And the head's going to topple and then another kingdom's going to come and take its place. And it's going to be the silver kingdom and it's going to topple. And then the next kingdom will be the the bronze kingdom and it's going to topple. And then the iron kingdom and it will topple and it will be gone and the powder gone. And then the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ is the boulder. And it's going to come and fill up the world and never end. And that's exactly what happened in history. Did you know that? December of the year 595, there was a coup in Babylon to overthrow Nebuchadnezzar. They did. In his kingdom, the gold toppled after 66 years. And then the silver took over. Those were the Medes and the Persians. Two kingdoms together, remember? Arms and chest. And the silver kingdom, the Medes and Persians, ruled for 208 years. And then they toppled. And then Greece, the bronze, Alexander the Great, came along. And he ruled for 185 years. And then he toppled. And then Rome, the iron, came. And they ruled for 500 years. And then Rome was destroyed. And the next great kingdom is going to be that of the Lord Jesus Christ. But his kingdom was will never fall he's the boulder friends that's that's why you need to make sure you're in that kingdom there must be a time in your life every one of us that we have prayed to receive christ we've repented of our sins we have prayed a prayer with our own lips heavenly father i believe jesus died and rose again on the cross for me and i want to be a part of your kingdom because it will never end And everybody here must do Everybody watching online needs to do that. If you don't, you're not in the kingdom. And whatever kingdom you're in is going to fall. Nebuchadnezzar, when he heard this, I figured he'd say, 18-year-old young man, off with your head because you're prophesying my demise. But you know what he did? He got off of his throne and bowed down to Daniel. And said, thank you for interpreting the vision. And he gave Daniel gifts and honor. Gave him his own province of Babylon to be a ruler over. Like one of our states. And he exalted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And and Nebuchadnezzar made a decree. He said, there is no God like Yahweh. He's God of God and Lord of Lords. Because nobody can reveal to his people dreams like he does. Our mysteries are revealed. The story end. Let me tell you three lessons we learn. I'll close. Let her be on your outline. Three lessons we learn. First lesson is this your life and your strength is from God, not from you. like nebuchadnezzar all of us tend to think we are full of life and strength because of our own selves and you're not the reason for that god is the reason you have life and strength people say well i exercise and i take my vitamins and i work hard and so therefore i'm a strong person and no 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 you are who you are because god gave you breath and strength this morning and if he were to take those away you'd crumble like a statue God is the reason you are who you are today. I've heard, I've heard members even say, they even, they even credit genetics. Oh, my grandfather lived to be an old age and he, he gave me a work ethic and that's why I have what I have. Baloney, you have it because God gave it to you and the strength to do it. Never forget, God is the source of who you are. In fact, we probably, none of us probably considered this morning that this may be our last day on earth when we got up. Could be, though. Could be. So chapter 2 of Daniel tells us, God, not you, is the source of your life and strength. Here's a second lesson we learn. The kingdoms of humanity are weak. And they're going to fall. You go back to 600 B.C. There was nobody stronger than Nebuchadnezzar. Nobody. He was the, Babylon was the strongest empire in the world. Not just that region, the world. And Nebuchadnezzar was the one leader of the world and nobody had more power than him. Nobody. In fact, Jeremiah 27 prophesied that would happen. Nebuchadnezzar had ultimate authority. Historians say he was as, as esteemed as gold. His decisions were final. His word was the law. He was unchallenged. He was invincible. But God said that a stone would smash into his kingdom and it would fall. It would turn to powder and the wind would blow it away. And it did. Alexander Campbell, the old Irish theologian, used to say years ago, God has a plan for the world and right now he is ordering that plan to play out. And he still is. This morning our news headlines are about Russia and Ukraine and NATO and what's China going to do and what's North Korea going to do and how's the U.S. going to respond. But, Folks, the bottom line is one day every one of those kingdoms are going to fall including us because our kingdom's not eternal there's only one eternal kingdom that's why you need to be a part of that kingdom but here's the third lesson listen carefully you must have courage to tell others the truth You've got to have courage to speak the truth. Think about this. How much courage did it take for Daniel to tell Nebuchadnezzar of his demise? That his kingdom was going to fall. How much courage did that take? In fact, The four groups of advisors Nebuchadnezzar had, they were known for telling him politically correct answers. Every time he asked them a question, it was always in his favor. And and along comes this 18-year-old who trusts God and God only. He looks at the leader, the most powerful individual in the entire world and said, you, sir, are going to fall. How much courage did that take to tell him the truth? But I have a better question for you. How much courage does it take for you to tell the culture the truth? It takes a lot. I mean, how much courage does it take you to, to tell our culture the Bible's the final authority? doesn't matter what you believe doesn't matter what interest groups are out there what this says is true it takes a lot of courage to say that doesn't it how much courage does it take to say evolution's wrong creation's right takes a lot of courage in our community today How much courage does it take to say Jesus is the only way to be saved? Because you see, our culture wants to include everybody. Everybody, your belief system's right. That's what they say. So, so we stand up as believers and say, no, every other way is wrong. Judaism's wrong. Islam's wrong. Only Jesus is right. And our culture gets angry at that. It takes a lot of courage for you to tell the truth. How much courage does it take for you to say, you know, homosexuality is a sin. That's what this book says. (laughs) You better have a lot of courage to say that. And how much courage does it take to say God created male and female and He didn't make any mistakes? You better have courage before you say that. And how much courage does it take to say abortion's wrong? And how much courage does it take to say the Christian worldview is the only worldview that's accurate? Because if you say that, you're going to be vilified. Our culture will cancel you like that. And the woke movement will cancel you like that. And you'll be called a racist and a bigot. And they'll be angry at you, old fashioned Bible thumpers. That's what you'll be called. How much courage does it take you to stand up to the king? 18 years old, he told Nebuchadnezzar the truth. May we do the same. You know, it took Martin Luther a lot of courage to do what he did. You remember Martin Luther? You see his picture right there. They didn't, good have, didn't have very good selfies in those days, but fifteen year was 1517. Martin Luther was a priest in Germany, a little town called Wittenberg. And Martin Luther had a real problem with what was going on in the Roman Catholic Church. They were, Pope Leo X was was selling indulgences and Brother Johann Tetzel, the German friar, uh, he, he, started, he was selling indulgences. In other words, you give enough money, you'll go to heaven. If you don't give enough money, you won't. And Martin Luther said, there's just so much wrong about that. He's a priest. And he said, I want to debate this. So he wrote down 95 things that were wrong in his mind of what's going on. And they were called his 95 theses. And on October the 31st of 1517, he walked over to the castle church in Wittenberg and he started to tack on that door. 95 things that are wrong. I want to debate these. How much courage did it take one stroke after another to nail that to the door and oppose what was going on in the day? But something you may not know, before Martin Luther did that, he had a dream, and the devil appeared, and the devil's standing before him, and the devil just starts raking him over the coals. Well, you remember when you did that, you were six years old, you remember, and he, he started naming every sin Martin Luther had committed his whole life one after another boom 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 you remember you did that you remember you didn't do that who are you to stand up and you say you have a problem with anything you just need to be quiet and Martin Luther didn't say anything Dell just kept going kept going kept going he said finally Martin Luther said are you finished He said, no, and the devil kept going. Hey, you remember, and brought up more things and more things of sins in his past, things he didn't do, things he did, he shouldn't have done, over and over, and finally stopped, and Martin Luther said, now you finished? The devil said, yes. Martin Luther said, good, because the blood of Jesus Christ covers me from all my sins. Now you get out of here. And he said, the vision, the dream, he left. And he went back to the courage it took to nail the theses on the wall. So, folks, today, if you're a believer, under the blood of Jesus Christ, every sin you ever committed is covered. You tell the enemy to get out and you take courage. And you do what God's led you to do: speak the truth. Father, I want to thank you today for your word. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for this passage, God. Lord, what courage Daniel took before Nebuchadnezzar. May we have that same courage today. Father, I just pray today for decisions that need to be made. Those that need to trust Jesus. Those that need to tell the devil to to get away because all the sins are covered. Those that need to recommit their lives. Those that need to come back to church again those that need to come back to you. Father, give us courage to make whatever decision we need to make. In Jesus' name, amen.